welcome to Talking Sports with the Youngster and the Old Man. And now, here are your hosts, Troy Robert and Kevin Cunningham. Welcome everybody, I'm Old Man Troy, joined by the marvelous Youngster Kevin Cunningham, a.k.a. Kid Cunny on Twitter, coming to you today on the Inner Peak Coffee Studio line. What's going on, my friend? Not too much. Um, I have a baby. <laughs> uh, that's that's basically it. Nothing else too exhilarating going on in my life. How about you? I got a grandson. There we go. So. <laughs> Babies rule the world. This. Well, see again. Th- this is just so weird. Like. I was, I was again, talking to my wife the other day about this. We have, like, the most unusual relationship in the world. But the way that it happened, you know, randomly, I, I was putting together, I had a website, kind of like the one on the grueling truth that we do, and you were, you were at UW-Whitewater. We wanted to talk about Whitewater going to the champion, so we hooked up that way. It just seems like so many things in our lives, being so many years apart, just fall into place. I become Mm -hmm. a grandpa. You become a dad. Your car starts on fire. My transmission blows up in my car. I'm just saying it's weird. It is just weird, like this crazy friendship that we have. We've never met face-to-face, ever. Loyal listeners know that. But it just seems like everything in our life, there's some kind of parallel that connects everything that happens. I, I don't Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. But the facts are the facts, youngster. You are Think crazy. Think about it. But, yes, there are, there are a lot of parallels that, for some reason, somehow, uh, it keep us intertwined um, in terms of how our lives are developing somehow. But, <laughs> yes, it, it's quite... I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm glad for that, but it just seems, it, it well, really does seem like when something happens in one of our lives, yeah. that some, something closely related happens to the other one, like, you know, maybe a day later or a month later, but something in a time frame, like, things happen. It's just weird. Just, just weird. Maybe yeah. it's... Uh, Great University of Wisconsin Whitewater connection. I don't know. But we got a great show today on the Inner Peak Coffee Studio line. A little bit, of course. Oh, this thing called the Super Bowl. And most people will be listening on Friday night or Saturday. So if you're listening in, we're going to give you our nice predictions. And as the youngster knows, I can legally go to the casino and place real wagers. So I will be doing that this weekend. But we got Super Bowl. I mean, there's stuff going on in the other sports, youngster. Uh, baseball, no CBA. That could be uh, something as the months roll on that uh, starts becoming a topic on our show. The NBA now rolling into the second half of their season. Well, see, this is the weird thing. The All-Star game hasn't even happened, but more than half the season is done which is weird to me. Yeah. But once the Super Bowl is over, we'll definitely get more into basketball. But it's starting to get to the point now you're watching basketball, like who's positioning themselves to be the team? We got, I mean, we're not going to talk about it a lot today because of the Super Bowl, but it's getting to that point. Is there a dominating team in the NBA right now? That'll be a legitimate question. Hockey? Same thing. All-star game just happened. Second half of the season, once the Super Bowl's over, we'll get into a little bit of NHL talk. The youngster, as he will admit, is a pedestrian spectator. Watches and follows his favorite team, Colorado, if it happens to be available. Not going out of his way for it. I bet on hockey every night that it's available. So I'm a little more in tune to it. And then, of course, you got the Olympics going on, you got the Premier League, oh, we got all kinds of stuff, youngster, it's just crazy, but take it away. 
Wherever you want to go, I will follow. To be honest with you, Troy, there's, uh, I, to me there's enough NFL stuff, and especially it being the Super Bowl this weekend, I kind of do want to keep it NFL-related. Um, NBA All-Star Weekend, I mean, that's, it is what it is. I know the NHL All-Star Weekend just took place, and that's, you know, that they, they do it different in, in a good way. Um, at the same time, I didn't watch a single second of it. I, I don't lie about, you know, trying to watch certain things. Um, at the end of the day, if I knew it was on and I could put it on um, reasonably, <laughs> um, then I would have. Um, kind of like I did with the – there was the NFL skills competition, I guess. One of those was going on, and so I just had it on in the background for a bit. Oh, um, I forgot to mention the Pro Bowl. Forgot yeah, the Pro Bowl I Literally, Troy, I don't even know exactly what – I'm assuming it was on Sunday. I'm pretty sure it was on Sunday. I don't know. I couldn't tell you what time. I couldn't tell you a single statistic, whether it's the score or player statistic. I couldn't tell you literally a single thing that happened from the Pro Bowl. Not it. Well, not it's still relevant, score. youngster. Again, I like to go and bet at the casino, right? Yeah. And, and I do. I go every day, and you know, that, that's the thing. My wife will say, you're addicted to gambling. No, there, there are, and, I, and I'm not making light of it. If you are addicted to gambling, 1-800-GAMBLER. Call the line. Because I know a lot of people out there that get in a lot of trouble, spending over their means, too much money. It's a problem. It's an addiction. I do it because I like to, and I stay within my means. 10, 20 way, bucks a day. Troy, if you if you actually are addicted and you're spending like you're saying twenty bucks a day, um, and you're making you know I'm not going to say how much you make. First of all, I don't know how much you make, but point is twenty bucks a day isn't going. Well, to I can't say that, years. youngster, because then the IRS will come after me. <laughs> yeah, <fair laughs> I'm just, I just kidding. I'm just kidding. My my point is that if you're addicted to something, you can be addicted to something as long as it doesn't you know completely unravel your life. Then okay, you're addicted to it. Um, me personally, at, at times in my life, there have been video games that I have truly feel like I've been addicted to. Um, and it's, you know, it, can it be quote-unquote harmful? It, in a way, sure, I guess. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, it is what it is. Like you're saying, the grander, you know, scheme of things, obviously, if you feel as though you could use help, you need help, um, there are certainly avenues in which you can, you know, go to get help as you should because gambling can, yeah, I, it is one of those things that can truly, you know, destroy your life. Yes, and there is. And, and again, I, I am not making light of it. 1-800-GAMBLER if you think you have a gambling problem. The thing is, youngster, like I tell my wife, you got food on the table, you got a place to live, the cars are getting paid, the bills are getting paid, I have a good job. Right. I spend within my means. I'm not out there, you know, mortgaging the future. Like, I'm yeah. not taking retirement money out, things of that nature. And I win once in a while. I, I text you when I hit on one. You know what I do? I do a crazy one. I do the crazy eight or ten teeth parlays. Hit it on one of those. The crazy thing is, youngster, since we've been doing the show, I've actually hit on those a couple times. You know, I'm not making 90000 bucks when I do it, but I make a nice little handful of money that basically allows me to go back to the casino and spend $10 tomorrow. Right. So, you know, I, I don't overdo it. And now me and my son, we go every weekend. You know, we take 20 bucks. 20 bucks. We go, we go, and, you know, father-son time. We go, we go play some bets. We, we bet within our means. But anyway... Carry on, youngster. It's uh, one of those things where the Pro Bowl, this is how irrelevant it is. It wasn't even a betting option at the Oneido Bingo and Casino for me to even place a bet on. Honestly, Troy, it shouldn't be. Um, because <laughs> of the nature saying, of it. The thing is, youngster, I wanted to place a bet on the over because they always score a ton of points. There's no defense, right? Right. So I'm looking and I'm like, where the heck is the where the heck is the Pro Bowl? It's not yeah. in here. I couldn't even bet on the Pro Bowl. Now again, different venues, 
that it's based on the casino that blah 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 blah. Okay, they didn't offer a bet at at, at the place I went to. I, I know you could because DraftKings you could because I looked. I wanted to see what the over under was before I went. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to take the over on this. They're going to score. I think it was 71 points. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that bet. And then I went there, couldn't bet on I just wanted to bring that up because that tells me how irrelevant the Pro Bowl is oh, in the man. betting world. That some for casino it. didn't even have it on their book. Yeah, for a football event to not even have <laughs> a bet available, uh, that, that really shows you, shows you how inconsequential that the Pro Bowl truly is. Because if anyone is to bet anything in sports in this country, it's football. Whether it's someone's 40-yard dash time or who wins the Super Bowl or who wins the Super Bowl next year, um, it, you know, win-loss totals for the following year, uh, who's going to get drafted for, like, there's just so many different things you can do for the Pro Bowl over-under to not be on there. That's, I think that's pretty hilarious. But <laughs> in any case, yeah, the, you know, the NFL and NHL All-Star Weekends happened, like you said. You ran through some of what is going on in the sports world. Uh, we will get to that certainly next week. But, again, this week, you know, we, we, we want to keep this show, I, I think, football-related. Um, to go through some of what has happened within the last week or so, I'm just kind of reading down headlines. Um, there's obviously certainly mock drafts that are <laughs> that are happening, and that will – certainly ramp up after the Super Bowl takes place because that's the next, you know, big NFL event that happens once it, you know, hits April and we're a week or so away, then we'll actually talk about what might happen in the NFL draft, what teams should do, yada, yada. Um, Outside of that, there is a headline saying that the Tennessee Titans have extended their head coach and their GM. Uh, John Robinson and Mr. Vrabel, and as a Titans fan, I will say uh, I, I don't even have to click on the link. I, thumbs up for me. A-plus move uh, from the organization. I, I don't care how much they're making. Um, it's worth it because truly in the NFL, I think it's a huge deal. If you have a solid GM and a solid head coach that your guys can rally around. I, I don't care if they're perfect X's and O's wise. I don't care if they're perfect time management-wise. I don't care if the GM makes a couple mistakes here and there. Why? Because, well, they all do. Nobody hits on every single move they make, every single draft pick they take. Um, so to me, as long as you know you've got two solid people leading the team in that sense from a GM and head coach perspective, I think that's, <clears throat> that's huge. Um, and Tennessee has been – they've been very consistent, I would say, um, in terms of what the team actually puts out there the last few years under Vrabel and Robinson. So I, I'm ecstatic to read that. Um, there have been nine new head coaching hiring. The whole Can I just jump in real quick? Yes. So you got Vrabel is probably the only successful guy under Belichick, I think. Can you name another successful Belichick guy? No. No, I can't. No, I I, I no. saw that, and it's you know the thing is the Titans are having a good run, and Brable is the the thing with Brable is you look at a youngster, and I'll, I know you're a big Tennessee guy. That defense was dominating what three years ago? Was it three, four years ago where it was just like, man, that defense just so darn good. The quarterback Two just can't ago. screw it up. Two years ago, it was really good. Last year, it was garbage. And then this year, it randomly turned around to being really good again. So, <laughs> it's been a roller coaster. And so, at that point, though, you look at it, and we talk about the Tannehill money. Do you really pay this guy $30 million a year? Is he really a $30 million a year quarterback? Blah, blah, blah. The thing is, Vrabel is a guy that, he sees what he has on the team, and he builds around strengths and weaknesses of that team. Yeah, you're going to win games. You're going to lose games. Look at the Packers this year. They, they blew it on special teams, so they go out and get Basachi. Right. I don't know how much they're going to pay that guy. Is that really the answer? Okay, special teams will get better. But I, I got other question marks with the Packers. 
which we're not going to get into today. But good move. You're probably doing it to show Aaron Rodgers, look, we're going to address this, so please stay. Please, please, please stay. My answer, get the hell out. Go. I don't even want you in Green Bay. Go. Just get out. So my point is, though, with Brable and the Titans youngster, yes, I agree. I saw it. I'm like, that's a great move. Extend the guy. Give the guy another 10 years because the guy can coach with what he has. And your GM went out last year. We, we were kind of like, ah, you went on and got Julio. Maybe in the playoffs it'll matter, blah, blah. Didn't work out quite the way you wanted it to. But you got another guy, even though he's on the downside of his career, that is a legitimate receiver. You got Brown. You got Jones. I mean, the guy went out and made a move. Really, the guy knows really he has a good team. Yeah. This this off season, this past off season, I should say, they really addressed the pass rush needs because they were basically the worst team getting to the quarterback uh, a year ago, and we saw what happened in Tennessee's only playoff game this year. They certainly got to the quarterback, uh, which is something they did all year long. They just couldn't get the offense going um, to where it needed to be. But personnel wise, the team is fantastic. Um, they're just truly, I think, anyone in any football fan can understand that. Yeah, Tannehill's not great. <laughs> um, he was very adequate, to say the least, the last couple of years. This year, he was not good. He was bad this year. Um, that is the hole in the team. If they had a really good quarterback, they would easily be an NFL or NFL, a Super Bowl caliber roster. That's that's their hole. So, I I I can't complain about being one piece away from being a really good all-around team everywhere um so anyway head coaching um hires the saints i don't know if it was earlier today we're doing the show on a tuesday uh february 8th and the saints promoted dennis allen who was their defensive coordinator for the last seven years to become their head coach we're not going to go through you know a plus hire c minus hire good hire bad hire with all nine of these um, because we do want to talk about the super bowl for the majority of the show, but I, to me that's... No, I but I'll jump it. in. I'll jump in if I'm uh, scratching my head real quick. Okay. No, go ahead. <laughs> Fair enough. I have, I, no, I, I, I have I, no problem with Dennis Allen. I really don't. No. He, he didn't do no. well in Los Angeles, but he's been in the organization. You just talked about continuity. Why not? If you have a qualified guy in your organization that can do it, then promote the guy. Right. I have no problem with this hire. I think it's a good hire, actually. I agree. Like you said, I'm not um, going to grade it, but I'm I'm not. I'm like, oh wow, didn't see it coming, but hey, that's a good hire. Right. I agree, and especially if you're a defensive first-minded head coach, then you know to hand the offense off to whoever your offensive coordinator is. So that makes sense. That's exactly what Vrabel does. He, you know certainly specializes defensively, not offensively. So he hands the offense to whoever his offensive coordinator is. That's the way it goes. Um, the Giants hired Brian DeBull, who, I mean, at the end of the day, he was kind of tied to Josh Allen. And the Bills, um, the, these kind of hires happen all the time. That's, you know, that's the pro and negative with Eric Enemy and the Chiefs is – yeah, the Chiefs' offense has been fantastic under Bieniemy. That's great, but Andy Reid oversees the offense at the end of the day. And look at the talent they have. So, how much credit do you truly give Bieniemy? In this case, how much credit do you truly give Brian DeBole for the Bills' offensive success? Or is it basically 99% Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs? <laughs> you know, so hey, who knows? And we'll never know the answer to that because being an offensive coordinator does not mean anything in terms of how you're going to be as a head coach. Again, you could be a special teams guy. You could be John Harbaugh, be a special teams guy, be the head coach of the Ravens, and just be successful basically every single year. Um, That doesn't mean winning or going to the Super Bowl every year, but everyone understands that John Harbaugh is a really good coach in Baltimore. He was a special teams guy. I mean, so you don't have to specialize in one side of the ball. You don't have to be fantastic all over the board. Just being a head coach is much more different than being a defensive or offensive or special teams coordinator. So, I, you know, 
at the end of the day, we'll see with all these hires. <laughs> There's no way of knowing if they're going to be fantastic or not. I think, you know, keeping it in-house for a seven-year-long guy like Allen and the Saints, who's been competent and knows the roster and knows the organization and knows everything about the team, if the team, the roster, truly gets behind him and, you know, understands that he is a good guy to lead the group, then fantastic. We'll see how he does. But in any case, uh, Matt Eberflus, 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 I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sorry. Um, but that's the new head coach for the Bears. Um, I haven't even looked into exactly, was he a defensive See the defensive coordinator. I'm trying to skim read here. Defensive coordinator for the Colts. That's what it. Looks yeah, like. I, this hire right here makes no sense to me. I mean, I'm happy as a Packer fan. Colts defense has done really I good mean, the last couple of years, but it's been great. But I mean, come on. I mean, are, are you banking on the fact that Aaron Rodgers may not be in Green Bay? He's, but, at the end of the day, he's a first-time head coach, and they hired a first-time general manager on Ryan Poles. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, either they will make it work around Justin Fields or something's not going to work, whether it's the team around Justin Fields or Justin Fields in general. And within two, three years, <laughs> it's either going to work because the team's good and Justin Fields is good or the team's not going to be good or Fields won't be good. And so it's like, yeah, well, this failed. I mean, it's really that simple to me. No, I agree with you. I just think the Bears screwed it up again. I, yeah. I, I mean, I really do. I, I, but, I'm, again, we're not going to get into it. I could spend 15 minutes talking about this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, what, I don't know what the Bears are doing. Yeah. I, I really seems- don't especially with a going to be a second-year quarterback who you expect to be your franchise guy for the next 15, I would want someone who's been in the league a while. Um, and even if that's someone who you think is not an A-plus guy, um, I just would want more experience. And maybe that's wrong. I, uh, I said to my Bear fan friends I was afraid of Justin Fields moving forward. Now I look at this coaching hire, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, here we go. I mean, you have – I really thought they would have went with a more offensive-minded head coach with Justin Fields. You're an Ohio State guy. The guy was phenomenal in college. Yeah. And the guy on the roster last year on a Bear team that sucked actually made me as a Packer fan say – I'm going to be afraid of this guy in two or three years. Now you hire a defensive guy? That's, that's great. Go ahead. Yeah. But unless you go to make a splash offensive hire, which I would have with Justin Fields, the, the kid is good. The kid is good. I just, I really just believe the Bears screwed it up again. And nothing against the guy. Yeah, great, you got your chance. Probably not, shouldn't have been the chance in Chicago, though. But as a Packer fan, I'm elated. Way to go, Bears. Woo! Go, Bears! Go, Bears! Yeah! Good hire. Daniel Hackett and the Broncos, we already talked about this a week ago. Um, but something this that is I didn't... Purely, this is purely I'm going to get Aaron Rodgers to come play for me. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, one, one detail that we did not talk about a week ago uh, was, I, I didn't know this, but the Broncos are likely to be sold as a franchise uh, within the off season. So that'll be interesting, having new owners, and then you have this new head coach, and whether he brings Rodgers or not, um, I would assume he's going to have a very short lease <laughs> with new owners in town. Because if, if you're new, if you're trying to invest, I don't know how many hundreds of millions, if not a billion plus dollars into something, and your you know first year head coach is not getting it done, um, I think it's a very easy decision to say, uh, no, see you later. We're going to pick the next one because now we're in charge. Well, in- 
So I, I hate to be I, I hate to be that guy, right? So you you look at everything. Matt Lafleur is the offensive guy, right? Kind of like you were saying with Andy Reid, Nathaniel Hackett. We talked about all these quarterback coaches that are tied to Aaron Rodgers that were tied to Brett Favre. Do those coaches have? And again. I think he deserves a shot as an NFL head coach. I really do. Give him a shot. But what has Nathaniel Hackett really done in Green Bay? He laid a poo-poo egg on, in the championship game, and if he goes in his interview and says, well, yeah, that was all on Matt LaFleur. Well, then if it was all on Matt LaFleur, then what have you done over the last two years? Right. I'm, I'm just saying that when you're a quarterback coach of a Hall of Famer, what do you really do? Well, that's what, what do I was you really the, coach? The Giants hire was how do you know how good the Bills' offensive coordinator has been the last couple of years? They suddenly just took a massive rise. Was that because of him or was it because Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs connected and that's it? <laughs> you know, I, we don't know. Well, I've had this debate at work. They're like, oh, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett, look what the offense did. I'm like, and it was the same thing, same thing with Hackett. What what does he really do for the offense? Troy, Troy, when's the Packers offense actually been bad under Aaron Rodgers? Fifteen years ago? When was the offense? When was the Packers offense bad under Brett Favre? I haven't had a bad offense in in thirty years. (laughs) Right. Does that mean all the offensive coordinators and quarterbacks coaches have been phenomenal? I doubt it. They should have been. They should all be head coaches. (laughs) That's my point. And, again, nothing against Nathaniel Hackett. He's getting his shot. Good luck. But if you don't bring Aaron Rodgers there, which I think he will, that's fine. But, again, I said this last week. If, I am good, if, if I'm Goody, I'm sitting there like, okay, you took that job. You're going, you want Aaron Rodgers? You can have him. But I want Jerry Judy. I want Cortland Sutton. I want Noah Fant. I want this draft pick, this pick, this draft pick. You can have Aaron Rodgers. I would make it a king's ransom because people fail to realize Aaron Rodgers is still under contract with a gentleman's agreement that he can talk to management, and if he doesn't want to be here, they'll trade him. There's no fine line that says you have to trade me for this. If I'm Goody, I'm like, look, Aaron, I – you just want another MVP? I'm going to get a return on your investment. They didn't want my terms. There is nothing in this gentleman, I'm air quoting, gentleman's agreement that says you can just trade me for a seventh-round draft pick. I don't want to be here. Trade me. People forget to realize he is still under contract. Right. For Aaron Rodgers to leave, he must be traded. And if I'm Goody, I put the King's Ransom out, I, and I'm like, hey, sorry, Aaron. They didn't want my terms. I need to get my money back. Blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm being a you-know-what hole. But that's what I would do. So yeah. Goody, by the way. Go ahead. I was going to say, for the listeners that don't know who Goody is, he's the Packers GM. So, just giving some context. All right, move on. Mike McDaniel, Miami Dolphins. He's 38 years old. Um, he's basically an ascending offensive mind from the 49ers. Um, and what's interesting about this to me is that when you're known to not be – I mean, you clearly have to be – People have to, like, Shanahan has to, Shanahan's in control of the offense at the end of the day for San Francisco. Um, McDaniel was the 49ers one game coordinator for three years, and then last season um, he was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers. Again, at the end of the day, it's Shanahan's offense. He's the one in control, just like Andy Reid for the Chiefs. So, again, how much credit do you give the enemy? Um, so, to be 38 years old and to be assumed that you're, even though you weren't in complete control of the offense, that you're this guy who knows everything. Like, you, you can be. I, I don't know. I have no idea who Mike McDaniel 
at the end of the day is. Um, but it's just interesting. Like, either you and really know your... And how scary was that San Francisco offense? That, that San Francisco they, offense was not scary. Well, I think that's Jimmy G's doing. But, <laughs> like, I, I think that what they did with Debo Samuel was fantastic, and it worked. Um, I think they get the most out of the players they have, like George Kittle's basically a top three tight end the last couple of years. Um, I, Debo Samuel's phenomenal. Um, I think they get a lot out of Brandon Ayuk. I think the running game has been fantastic the last few years. So, I, I, to me, I get it. But, again, it's just how much do you really credit? So, I, I'm going to jump in, youngster. Throw the Flores lawsuit out. I don't want that to even come up in this show today. Is it an upgrade over Brian Flores? I want your I want your answer. Straight up, is Man, this an upgrade over what Flores did? At the end of the day, either this guy truly is an offensive genius in the making and he's going to be a fantastic head coach for years, or no, he's, it's a downgrade because Flores did a really good job. The problem with Flores was he didn't truly believe in Tua. The owners did believe in Tua. Um, and so, therefore, it's, <laughs> all right, if you don't believe in our quarterback, we do. So see you later because we are higher up in the food chain than you. So it doesn't matter how good Brian Flores is because they didn't agree with the quarterback decision. I forgot who, I think it was Herbert. I think going into that draft, Flores wanted Herbert. And instead, the organization took um, Tua. And I think we have since seen who was probably correct about, you know, that decision. But so, again, I, either McDaniel is a fantastic offensive mind, and if he has the pieces to work with, he'll be great, or he won't. Um, right now, I would say it's, it's a downgrade because, to me, Flores is a really strong head coach in the league. So. And my point to that is, youngster, so he's, he's going to have to have Tua as a starting quarterback. Right. Yes. So all the lip service, they were trying to move Tua, trying to do this, trying to – it's all lip service. So there you go. You mm-hmm. have to work with Tua. Now, granted, he, he – well, I don't know if he did. San Francisco won with Jimmy G, so maybe that's why they hired him. Like, hey, look. You you were able right. to win and go to an NFC championship game with a subpar right. quarterback like we have in Miami, so maybe right. you can bring that magic down here. Yeah, I just I look at this and I just shake my head. This was this was like really, I don't understand that hire. But that's what it is. For, Move on. Maybe because I'm younger, but I'm all for these younger people getting chances. Um, but, again, at the same time, if you're not even fully in control of your side of the ball and that's your side of expertise, then it, it just makes me question it more. Um, Josh McDaniels finally has left the Patriots officially uh, for the Raiders. And, I mean, it, at the end of the day, either he pairs well with Derek Carr and they get things done and they get to the playoffs again next year, under Derek Carr's last con- last year of his contract, or they don't, and Derek Carr probably leaves at that point. At that point, the Raiders wouldn't re-up Derek Carr for the future if it doesn't work out next year. Um, and Josh McDaniels has his chance with whoever their quarterback would be at that time. But that's at the end of the day, that's how Josh McDaniels' coaching uh, days are going to be reflected on with the Raiders. <laughs> is either it works with Carr going forward or we'll see how he does with the new person under center. That's, to me, at the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to because the team itself is not fantastic enough to say that, oh, yeah, they can make AFC title games regardless of who's a quarterback. They're not a Rams-type. To me, Titans are a step down from a team like the Rams, but teams that are just clearly really good um, the, the Raiders aren't really good across the board. So, either it's going to work with This is where I'll step in because I hear people say, well, Basachi got screwed and Basachi should have been the coach and look what he did with this team with all the turmoil, blah, blah, blah. You, you hit it, the nail right on the head, youngster. I think what Basachi did 
and the reason he's been a great special teams coach. And thank you for coming to Green Bay, even though I kind of downplayed it. I don't think you're the answer to winning a Super Bowl. But we, we got a great motivator and a coach. And I think that's what he did. As he brought that group together after the Gruden thing, said, look, I'm stepping in. This is what I want. I, I want you to play hard, blah, blah, blah. He may not be the best X's and O's guy out there, but the guy's a really good motivator, and that's what you even need, and people will say that on special teams. You're trying to motivate these guys, giving them a reason why to play on special teams. I don't know if he's an NFL head coach. So all these people that say he got screwed over, blah, I don't think they did. I think he overexceeded with the talent on that team and just had a bunch of guys with a chip on their shoulder when everybody counted them out and they played above the expectation. And now you want to throw them in there with a roster that needs a lot of work? You're not going to get the same result once he's the head man. That, that's just my thought. You hit it right on the head. So I'm not, I'm not like, sitting here going, oh, yeah, you screwed this guy over. No, I think they did the right thing. Because I think Raiders, the GM, management kind of knows. We need a lot of help. We need a lot of pieces. We got some. We don't have them all. all. And Derek Carr is going to be gone next year. So, no, I'm okay with that. I just had to give you my two cents. We've got two or three left here. I want to go quicker um, than we have through these. Doug Peterson and the Jaguars, at the end of the day, um, he did get the most out of Carson Wentz, and he did win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. However, he is stepping into a Jaguars team that is not as talented, again, across the board as a 52-man roster as that Eagles team was. That's what really helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl um, was not because Nick Foles was amazing every single game he played because he wasn't, um, but because the team overall was really really strong across the board. Um, I personally think Doug Peterson can be a head coach in the league because of what I just mentioned. Um, but again, either it's going to work with Trevor Lawrence and the team around Trevor Lawrence gets better, or it doesn't, and Doug Peterson will look like a failure. To me, it's that simple. Carry on. <laughs> um, Lovey Smith. This I was surprised about, Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans. Um, he was the Texans' defensive coordinator this past year, and Lovey Smith has obviously been you know, in and out of the league. He's been in and out of um, the college game, even with Illinois. Uh, we do a Big Ten-specific show. Shout-out to Go Big or Go Home. Shout-out to Inner Peak Coffee and the virtual studio line that they sponsor for all the shows that we do. Uh, Shout-out to Inner Peak Coffee. But, so we've, we've talked about Lovey Smith um, for a number of years, Troy and I have, and at the end of the day, he certainly had better days in the NFL than in college. But, again, to me, it comes down to how good your players are. Um, you can either get the most out of what is a 6-11 and 11 type team and turn that into a 10-7 and 7 type team that makes the playoffs, and at the end of the day, you're basically one and done, and that's it. Um, or you have a really good team, and you pull through and win a Super Bowl, or you don't. Um, if your team's really bad, then they're just really bad. You're not going to get much out of it. Maybe you win two or three extra games, but... It, at the end of the day, either the Texans, <laughs> they they do a good job. The GM does a really good job filling the roster with good pieces because right now they don't have many of those. Um, it's arguably the worst roster in the league um, from a talent perspective, in my opinion, anyway. So Lovey Smith being the head coach, I, I don't care who the head coach is. It, you need some sort of talent, and Houston doesn't have that right now. So. That's that's my thought on Lovey Smith. Sure. Yeah. Expected hiring. This is the last one. Kevin O'Connell and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, he is the offensive coordinator for the Rams. Again, uh, you know he's under Sean McVay. We'll see what happens. You know with the McVay uh, predecessor, but I, realistically, it's McVay's offense. <laughs> it's not Kevin O'Connell. Um, so. 
how much does he really help Sean McVay or help the Rams offense. We saw what the Rams offense was pre-Matt Stafford. We see it is net what it is now post-Matt Stafford. How much credit is Kevin O'Connell really getting there? Again, we'll see. I have no idea. He could be brilliant. He could be a fantastic head coach. I have no idea. Or he could know absolutely nothing, and he's just completely rid the coattails of McVay and Stafford. I, I have no idea. But that is what the Vikings are expected to be doing. Well, my only comment to this is I'm going to go back. If you remember when Matt LaFleur got hired, youngster, I was like, who is this dude? Right? Who is this dude? He was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. Blah, blah, blah. He didn't do much. In, he was a, so I, I should preface this. If I air quote, he is a Sean McVay protege because he was in L.A., right, as the offensive coordinator. Right. But I think you, you've hit this on the head. Matt LaFleur actually was in charge of the offense in Tennessee because yeah. Rabel yeah. is a defensive guy. In L.A., he wasn't. And I've since come around and like, hey, you know what? I was not a Matt LaFleur guy when they hired him. Like, who's this dude? What did Tennessee really do? Blah, blah, blah. I wasn't on the bandwagon. But the guy, I mean, he makes mistakes, but, hey, turned out to be a good hire. But he left after L.A. to go to a place where he actually implemented what he wanted to do and now he's done it in Green Bay. And I watched the offense, and like you said, it's not bad. We haven't had a bad – got Aaron Rodgers. And I watched some of the things. I questioned some of the calls. But I'm going to do that with anybody. Could be Bill Walsh as the coach and be like, well, why'd you run that? You know? But that's why I'm going to go back and just reiterate your fact on all these coaches that come, offensive coordinators – how much did you really play in the success of that team if your head coach is an offensive guy? Yeah, you're learning from him, but you're not the one calling the plays. You're not the one doing the full game plan. You're giving your input, but you're not calling a play in the flow of a game on third and six. Do we run play action? Do we run a a go pattern? Do we run, run a slant? You're kind of just in the wings, watching, taking it in. Now you have to do it. I agree with you 100%. Super Bowl time on the Inner Peak Studio line. Yes, 17 minutes left here. Um, Troy, I guess first off, just the the line of it, the Rams are basically four-and-a-half-point favorites, which is a big number. As I say almost every single week, the number four for gambling in football is a big number because it's not difficult for a final score to end in a four-point differential because that's the difference between a touchdown and a field goal. I feel like I repeat myself literally every single week. But so being four-and-a-half-point favorite, that's big. You're basically saying if you're going with the Rams that they're going to win by a touchdown or more. At the end of the day, you're not going to you know sit there and – predict that the Rams are going to win by five or six. Either they're going to win by a touchdown or more. It's going to be, yep, the Rams are better. I'm going, I'm putting my money on them, clearly. Um, three and a half can be a little different. Two and a half, certainly much more different. But four and a half, you're basically saying the Rams are a touchdown better than the Bengals. Four and a half and six and a half, to me, there's basically no difference there. Um, and maybe I'm crazy in that thinking. But in any case, uh, what do you think of that line? Do you think the Rams – should they be favored by four and a half in this game? Are they the better team by basically a touchdown, sure. realistically? Sure. It's been the talk of the town for, what, ten weeks now. They, they got to the promised land after buying a Super Bowl roster and mortgaging right. the future. So right. why wouldn't Vegas make I hope Vegas pushes it to five and a half. I'm taking the Bengals straight up. I'm taking the plus money oh, okay. line on the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I've watched the Rams in the playoffs. They've been on the ropes in every game they played, even against the 49ers for a while. I, I, I'm really disgusted that it's not the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl because I, I, I look at that Rams offense and people want to say, look what Matt Stafford did. Honestly, you look at the dumb luck they had in the first playoff game. I mean, my gosh, my, my gosh. 
I just, I, they got good pieces. They do. You know, they got Beckham. Beckham wanted to go to the Super Bowl team, blah, blah, blah. Matt Stafford is still Matt Stafford to me. I know he played on bad Lions teams. But even in all these playoff games, he makes bad decisions. And I'm not saying this to downgrade Matt Stafford. I've said this, and you'll probably chuckle when I say this. Matt Stafford is the last remaining Brett Favre of the NFL. The gunslinger in the NFL that doesn't care, thinks he can make every throw, and he's going to sling the ball because he wants it to go there. That's what Matt Stafford does. So you're going to win and die with Matt Stafford. But look at all the games and the turnovers that he's created because of that gunslinging mentality, and I think it's going to cost him in the Super Bowl. I really believe that. I'm taking the Bengals straight up, youngster. Now, I'm not saying the Bengals are going to win by 20, but I think Matt Stafford at some point is going to get into that gunslinging attitude that he has that's made him great on bad teams. He's a gritty, and and you know I have the utmost respect for Matt Stafford because I said over the years when we did this show, the Lions can be 0-15 and play the Packers in the last game, and I'm worried about the Lions beating the Packers when they need a win because of Matt Stafford. But with that gun-slinging mentality comes the errors, and I dealt with it with Brett Favre for how many years? The heartbreak I saw in big games because he needed to make a throw and he was looking at one guy, I can fit it in there, I'm going to chuck it in there. That's what Matt Stafford does. And I think it's going to cost him in the Super Bowl. The four and a half, I don't have a problem with that. (coughs) Excuse me. That's what Vegas wants. This is the team. They bought their Super Bowl team. We're the Bengals, second-year quarterback, average defense, blah, blah, blah. Well, they've also got some playmakers in Jamar Chase and Mixon. Defense isn't terrible. Look at that pass rush. Look what it did two weeks ago. Stafford, if he keeps getting hit and goes back to his gunslinging days, could be a two, three interception day. That's just my thought. I don't think people are saying the Rams should run away. Why would you say they're going to run away with it? The Bengals have done nothing but hang in games and claw and claw and claw, and the Rams let teams hang around. They let teams hang around. And this Joe Burrow kid, he's for real because he's got a kid named Jamar Chase that he can count on. Those two are playing like 10-year veterans. And I just I look at it. I think the Bengals are going to come in loose like, you know, we got nothing to lose. Nobody believes in us. Everybody thinks the Rams are going to blow us out. I mean, I just, for some, something's telling me to take the Bengals, and I'm taking, I'm not even taking the points. I'm taking the Bengals on the money line. What do you think? Uh, so loyal listeners would certainly know that we agree a lot, like, realistically too much um, to make for, you know, extremely entertaining radio because we agree too much. Um, so that's, that's what usually happens. But this show appears to be a little different because I, I am in the sense that I think the Rams actually win by 14 plus points. Um, and I think the reason solely comes down to their defensive line and their pass rush against the Bengals offensive line. And we saw what Tennessee could do to their offensive line. And I think the Rams, you can say they're a little better. You can say they're as good. The point is that they're going to, in my opinion, have a field day getting to Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow is going to have to play his you-know-what off in order to score 20-plus points and beat the Rams. I think it's possible. Um, I just think that the Rams can get an early lead like they did on Tampa Bay. And the difference between Tampa Bay and the Bengals is Tampa Bay has a line to protect Tom Brady. And so they could mount a comeback because they could protect Tom Brady. But the Bengals can't really protect Joe Burrow if he's down 10, 14, 17 points. Again, the game has to play out that way to start. But if it does, and Joe Burrow's behind, 
and you're getting the Rams pass rush pinning their ears back against that offensive line, I just think it could be ugly um, just based on what the matchup is. And I could be completely wrong. Like you were saying, Troy, Joe Burrow, all he's done is prove people wrong since his Ohio State days because Ohio State let him go and didn't even start him because they didn't think he was good enough. Um, and obviously he went on to you know, lead arguably the greatest offense in college football history. Part of that is because of what was around him, um, but part of that is obviously how good Joe Burrow is. Um, there's no disputing that at all. Um, whether he has a good offensive line or a below-average one, he's gotten to the Super Bowl. Um, and the defense is not as, in Cincinnati, it's not as respected as it should be. Um, but again, I just think the game flow-wise and the matchup itself, I just think it leads truly to the Rams getting out with an earlier lead. And like you're saying, Troy, Stafford could throw a pick, and Cincinnati could win the coin toss or lose the coin toss, get the ball first, and not have any pressure to throw it two-thirds of the time. Um and get out to a lead and completely avoid having to feel like Joe Burrow has to pass us back into this thing. But I just, honestly, if I'm the Bengals, I I look to receive the opening kickoff because I don't want to get behind. I don't want to be forced to feel like I have to throw the football against that pass rush with that offensive line. To me, again, it's different with Tampa Bay's offensive line. You can come back down 21 points, but... If Cincinnati's in that kind of position, it's then it would be one of those Super Bowls like the Denver Broncos Super Bowl where they just completely harassed the other team's offense and they won by whatever it was, 30-plus points. Um, I don't think the Rams do that necessarily, but that's just the way I think it goes. I think for it not to go that way, the Bengals have to start off strong. And I think part of that is honestly receiving the first kickoff and scoring points right away. Um, to avoid that, because if it goes down that way, that's that's just how I see the game playing out. But again, like Troy laid out, there's certainly ways that Cincinnati can keep it close or have the lead in the first half and avoid going down that rabbit hole. Hey, we actually disagree, youngster, and there's nothing wrong with a good disagreement. No, we disagree very uh, in extreme ways here. Because you're, you're, you're not even – you don't care about the four-and-a-half points. You're just saying the Bengals are going to win. And I think the Rams win by yeah. two-plus scores. So. Yeah, we're totally on different ends stuff. of the spectrum. Well, and part of that might be my many years of watching Matt Stafford play. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I just want to throw this out not to you in the playoffs, though, youngster. Yeah. Oh, he's not bad. But do, can, you, can you at least agree with me that he has a gunslinger attitude? Oh, absolutely. So, so either, either Troy, Troy, either he plays to the way they did against Tampa Bay and they get out to an early lead and it gets ugly. I think that's possible. Again, that's what I think ends up happening. Or he plays like he does most of the time, where he plays like very average to bad football the first two and a half, three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, if you look at like QBR, whatever, how amazing he's been in the fourth quarter, it's been ridiculous this year, Matt Stafford in the fourth quarter. Again, the problem with the Rams is well, you have to survive and get to the fourth quarter and have a chance for him to <laughs> lead you back to victory. Um, that's how they've lost games this year, is Stafford making mistakes early. So that, at the end of the day, that's what this game's going to come down to. Either the Bengals are in it or winning at the end of the first quarter, first half, or they're playing from behind and it, it's a nightmare. It, it, to me, it plays out either one of those two ways. I could be completely right, or I could be, you know, look like an idiot, based on what I'm saying. But to no, me, I don't want to say you're going to look. Like, I don't want to say you're going to look like an idiot, young sir. Well, if I'm I really the don't want to win say by that. 14 plus points and it's a blowout, then I'm an idiot. If the Bengals <laughs> end up winning the game, I think it's possible. Again, I think it's possible the Bengals do. Um, I don't, I'm not sitting here saying that the Rams are just so much a better team. I just think matchup-wise, the way it plays out, it could be ugly just based on how the rosters are formed. By the way, speaking of the rosters, I think it's awesome that we do have a, oh, my God, let's just send all of our first-round picks and all of these assets for the future for right now. And you're seeing it, it, it winning. It, it's winning. It's here. It's in the Super Bowl. They're the favorite. Clearly, that method has paid off for the Rams. Whether it gets it done in the Super Bowl or not, they're here. Um, they have mortgaged the future for now. 
and to this point it has worked. For the Bengals, they haven't mortgaged the future at all. They've just invested in their draft picks, not made big splash free agent signings, and they've just drafted Jamar Chase. They've drafted Tyler Boyd. They've drafted T. Higgins. They've drafted Uzoma, the tight end. They've drafted all their defensive pieces who make them an above-average defense. They've drafted all of these guys, every single one of them, <laughs> basically. So it, you're seeing completely both ends of the spectrum with these two teams and how they're built. I think it's awesome because it, in sports, I think that we see the way teams are built and we see the way, oh, passing, you know, now it's a passing league. Well, if, you know, if a run-first team, the 49ers were one game away from being a complete run-first team and making the Super Bowl. Um, they, they were close to doing so. It took a Matt Stafford special fourth quarter to beat the 49ers. They were up double digits on them. It, so it's not to say that running can't win you a Super Bowl. Run-first teams can't. And it's not to say that you have to mortgage the future and get all these stars to win, because you don't. You can be the Bengals. <laughs> you, you can do anything and make it work and win, um, which I think is awesome. I, I don't think there's a stupid way to build a team. I don't think there's a clearly brilliant way to build a team. But personally, I would love to have an offensive line with a really good quarterback. Um, but, you know, the Rams' offensive line isn't fantastic either. It's fine. But it, it's just it's interesting to me that both of these completely opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how these teams are built, they're here in the Super Bowl. I think it's cool. My Super Bowl MVP youngster, Joe Mixon. Okay. I think he you could will have, end up catching you will have eight. You will have eight to ten catches because how do you slow yeah. down a ferocious pass, pass rush? Exactly. And what yep. does Joe Burrow do very well with Joe Mixon is it involves him in the passing game. Plus you have, like I said. I hear stuff going on in the background, but I can't hear Troy talking. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, it might be on my end, it might be on his end, but yeah, I'd, like he was saying, um, if it is just me that you can hear right now, it, it's Joe Mixon out of the backfield to go against that pass rush. I could That's exactly what the Bengals probably need to do. Um, it's not feature Jamar Chase 40 yards down the field because Joe Burrow's not going to have that kind of time. Um, setting up Jamar Chase on a slant route five yards from the line of scrimmage or setting him up on a wide receiver bubble screen, that, that's how you need to get Jamar Chase involved um, if you want him to truly be effective in this game. So th- there's ways for the Bengals to obviously make things work and win this game. Uh, we both laid it out, but to me I got the Rams by 14-plus, and Troy's got the Bengals straight up winning the game. So. I know we've got roughly a minute left, a little less, but Troy, if you're there <laughs> and, and you want to join, um, or if, you know, I could be talking out my you-know-what because Troy is clearly being heard by the listeners and I'm just over here overtaking it. But um, it, it will be a fun Super Bowl because these are two completely different teams in the way they're built, um, and there's obvious ways that they both can win this thing. So... It's going to be fun. For the old man, I am the youngster, closing out the show for the first time in a long time. Courtesy of the Inner Peak Coffee virtual studio line. Again, shout out to them. I'm the youngster, and we will see you post Super Bowl. We talk about that and all the other sports going on. That's the old man. I'm the youngster. Thank you for listening to Talking Sports with the Youngster and the Old Man. Please come back again next time as Troy and Kevin share the latest news in the world of sports. Sometimes when a problem needs our attention, we get a warning. Would you recognize the signal if your heart was sending you an alert? I'm Marcy, and I have atrial fibrillation. That means I'm at five times greater risk for stroke. Some people don't even know they have AFib until they have a stroke. Talk to your doctor about your risk for AFib and stroke. Treatment saves lives. Visit heart.org slash AFib awareness. Brought to you by the American Heart Association. 
streaming live on your computer and on your smartphone. Check out Elevation5280sports.com for all the information you need. Download the apps, put in the link, and you're good to go on the go. Elevation5280sports.com. Careful, it's tough to breathe up here.